All right. <clears throat> I think we're connected. All right. What's up, uh, Facebook and Instagram? We're on episode 65 of Goals and Updates, and I'm coming to you live. My name's Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. All right? And uh, we're, coming, we're coming out here live right now at uh, about 9.17 p.m., and let me just uh, make sure I got all my settings correct on this uh, microphone. Hang on one second. Let me just make sure. Cause I'm trying to make it so I can hear it good and nice and crispy. Hang on. All right. So <clears throat> I'm coming out to you guys live. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing this one by myself. So I got I got my beer. I got my beer and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cruise out here with you guys. I'm going to cruise out here live, and I'm just going to have a good time. And I'm just going to try to give it 110% because I am extremely exhausted from today. And um, the reason I kind of have no call, no show, um, I haven't heard anything from Fabrizio. I was going to do a, uh, like a, a, co, a co-hosting with Fabrizio, and I don't know where Fabrizio is. <laughs> uh, like So ho- hopefully he's doing well. Let me just post this on Instagram. All right, cool. So uh, hopefully he's doing well. I don't, I don't know what happened to him. He kind of just uh, – I, I talked to him around um, – because we were supposed to do something at 5. He said he ended up getting into uh, work a little late, and he told me like 7 he'd get off, and I haven't heard from him since. I've been trying to text him and trying to get a hold of him to see if uh, he was still going to do it. I gave him up until 9 p.m., and I was like, I got to do this show regardless because, uh, you know, I got, I got people that I got to send some information to. So I – you know, and, and I want to get some episodes done. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit behind on the episodes. I want to get them done. So I give them until 9. It's about 9.18 right now, and we're going in hard. So we're going to talk about two topics today. I'm going to give you a little bit of, like, I like to do the updates of my life in the beginning, and then we're going to go into two, two pretty good topics that I think are pretty good topics. So the first topic is going to be money won't make you happy myth, and what is pain? All right? So I feel like these are going to be two great topics that I should be able to go into great detail about. Now, I'm going to update you real quick. Excuse me, I might be a little burpy because I'm drinking beer, so it's carbonated. So give me one sec. All right, so uh, real quick, um, today's Saturday, obviously, and I went, and most people on their Saturdays or Sundays probably would have been relaxing. Well, I woke up at, I didn't plan on waking up at 7, to be honest with you. My friend Jimmy called me up and was like, hey, and he wants me to go to New York with him this weekend. And I was like, you know, I got to go talk to my manager. But he woke me up at 7 in the morning, like a good friend, woke me up at 7 in the morning and was like, yo, like you're burning daylight savings, yo. Like get up and, and do something, yo. He, and I don't know. He sounded like he was way up. So he's probably up at like 6 in the morning. But uh, they're probably doing work. I think he's in – Um, I, th- I don't know where he is exactly, to be honest with you. I think he's in um, Seattle, Washington still. Actually, I think, yeah, I think they're in Seattle, Washington. And anyways, he woke me up and he wants me to go to New York with him this weekend. I ended up, um, and the reason I'm telling you this is to, to, to show you how committed I am to my job. So I ended up saying, you know, I got to talk to my manager real quick. I'm still in the, about, I think I'm in the, uh, I'm almost in the probation period. It goes from once you're in your third month to about your sixth month. So 30 days to 90 days. Um, and then. From there, that's when they uh, they put you in a probation period at my job. So you have to meet like production levels. You got to meet your attendance levels. You got to meet everything, or else you get fired. Okay. 
And so I talked to my manager. My manager is like, hey, here's the deal. You can't use your vacation time because you're not out of the you're not out of the probation period yet. And she didn't mention anything about the personal time, but she worded it. I don't know if you guys, I'm sure everyone's had this before, where you asked a question and the way the person worded it back, you kind of already knew, like, all right, they're trying to make it sound like um you have like you should be doing this. They want you to be doing this. So my manager wrote me back and was like, hey, like, we really gotta work on getting your production level up. There's a little bit a little bit behind. So I took it as a um I didn't ask her about the personal time. I took it as all right. I got to step up my game and I got to sacrifice going to New, uh, New York this weekend. And I got to put 110% effort into um, this new job. Right. So I had to sacrifice going to New York and stay committed to this job in order to, um, in order to meet what my manager wanted me to meet. Okay. So keep that in mind. Cause most people probably would have said, screw it. I'm going to go to New York anyways. All right. But I'm 110% committed to this new job. All right, I got to do whatever it takes to out, outwork everyone in that department, and I got to do whatever it takes to, to help my manager out because it's not what I want at the job. It's what my manager wants. It's what this company wants. It's, um, it's, it's everything that this company wants and not what I want, all right? That's what you should be thinking. A um, couple things to add to that. I went to a town hall meeting, and I got to meet the CEO. I don't know if I uh, I don't think I mentioned that and um, I don't think I did one after the I did the CEO meeting, but they ended up having a town hall meeting. No one wanted to go. I ended up going and I got to meet the CEO of the company. Right. And that's very, very important. Why is that important? You ask, because I have to make a difference in the company out of 700 plus employees in that business. I have to somehow stand out to the higher ups, the people that, that are going to be looking at their employees and promoting and being the, the main people to promote people from the bottom up. Okay. So I ended up going and talking to him and he, um, he knows my mom because she works, uh, she's uh, changing departments, but she works in the legal department right by his office. So they talk once in a while and she was telling, um, I, cause like when I started talking to him, I was talking about dressing up and they're like, yeah, they're like, don't dress down. They're like, you're doing exactly the right things. You're dressing out all the time. And don't listen to people that are trying to tell you to dress down on um, dress down Friday. So that's what I was telling them. Um, I was like, they, they do this dress down Friday thing. And I don't believe in that. I, I always dress up and I always bring my A game. And he was like, yeah, he's like, definitely do that. He's like, don't listen to the people that are, um, that are uh, dragging you down. Give me one second. Uh... Okay, so so Fabrizio just gave me um, a heads up that he just got home. But um, I might do something. I might just do this one and then maybe do a side panel with him or something if I have time. I, I just don't want to – I don't want to put these out too late. But anyways, got to meet the CEO. Uh, this – you know, a lot of them, you know, didn't even do that. A lot of them didn't even attend this, the town hall. But the real reason I wanted to go to town hall was to meet the CEO and the big second reason was I wanted to learn what this company wanted to do. Okay, because if I don't know what this company's motto is, I don't know the atmosphere of the company, I don't know exactly where they want to head in the future, I can't make a difference to that company because I'll be blinded by um, not working towards their goals and, the, and their hopes for this company and, and the dreams and the directions they want to take this company. So I needed to go to this town hall meeting and I needed to understand what they really wanted um, fixed or improved on at this meeting. What I found out, I took notes, by the way. I think I was the only person in there with like a pen and paper, by the way. And um, I found out that they want to enhance the customer service and 
they want to make it uh, right now. There's um, a little bit of a delay in customer service from the customer to getting a service provider out there. And then the middleman in between, which would be the customer service rep. So what they want is to make it a faster transition or a faster process when a customer needs um, service on, let's say, like a, a water heater or an AC unit. They want faster result times of um, getting, you know, getting exactly this, getting that service provider out there and, and getting the correct parts faster and everything. They want to pick up speed on everything, basically, for the customer. Because right now it's like it's not the fastest it can be is what they, they were trying to say at this town hall meeting. They said it's a little it's a little delayed. Uh, we have a lot of complaints where it takes like weeks at a time sometimes and like they want to fix that. So that's why it was really important. I went to this town hall meeting. Now, today I went to an um, I went to a, a event called Road Roadmap to Success. It was this. All right. Roadmap to Success. See if you can all see it. All right. And what this what this was was um it had different classes so you could pick the, the thing that i didn't like was you had to pick which events you wanted to go to i'll show you real quick so you guys can see so all right i mean it's not going to matter if you read it or not i just wanted to show you the, the stuff and what's up sterling so i wanted to um i wanted to to attend this i was a little bit late i had to go pick up these new glasses that you see me wearing they close at one and this event went from like 8 30 to 3 30 p.m or something like that and I, I wanted to go to this event. I wanted to go from the very uh, beginning because they had speakers in the beginning for breakfast. But the whole reason I went to this event was I was trying to put myself in an uncomfortable, uh, uncomfortable position. All right. I never, I, I've, I've been to the FA, FAU campus before because they share it with Broward College at the Davie campus. But I've never attended anything from FAU before. So I wanted to put myself in an uncomfortable, uncomfortable position where I've never been in that atmosphere, uh, atmosphere before or met anyone from FAU because I knew a lot of kids that were going to be at this thing or adults or whoever was attending this was going to be mostly from FAU, probably not a lot of Broward College students. Okay, so I knew it was a great opportunity to meet people from outside sources. That was probably like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. The second thing I really wanted to do is I, I, I always educate myself. Okay, so... I need to constantly be educating myself and you should be too. If you're not educating yourself every single day, you're screwing up hard and, and you're killing, you're killing yourself basically very slowly because you're eventually going to be outdated from out, outdated information. You got to constantly keep up with the trends. You got to constantly keep up with what's going on on the outside. And um, you, you need to um, educate yourself every single day. If you can, I mean, it doesn't have to be every single day, but you need to do it like, literally like maybe five times a week at least, the minimum. And um, so I went to this stuff. They taught you a lot about like leadership, manage, like how to do teamwork, how to do um, finance. I didn't do the finance one. I did um, time management because my big thing is I, I do a lot of uh, my own research on uh, financing and money. And I really wanted to do time management because like I, I really lack in that department where I have, I take on too much and then I'm overwhelmed and I can't get to everything. So I wanted to, I wanted to learn how to manage the time better to get all the stuff done in between. Now at the very end, they had a, um, a speaker and the speaker was, um, a Latino older lady. I, I don't know how old she was. Uh, I think like in her late thirties or like maybe mid thirties. And, uh, she did a really good speech. The thing that I didn't like about the speech and this is just um, 
there's like an outsource perspective. Like some people probably like liked it a lot more than I'm probably going to uh, give her credit for, but she did an amazing job. She talked about herself, her life in Detroit. She was born in Detroit and she had a lot of uh, family issues. Um, she was like molested as a child. Like she always thought because she was a woman and she was Spanish, like she wouldn't be able to get ahead in life. Um, and that she had to, she had to go on, go into an uncomfortable position where, um, her brother was like locked up as well. She had to go in an uncomfortable position and she had to force herself to change the way she was thinking. Cause she said like her whole entire life, she was taught like she wasn't going to amount to anything. All the stuff around her was telling her she's not going to amount to anything. So she said the hardest part was, um, for her was to change the way she was thinking. Mentally, she had to believe she could do it in order to achieve the goals and dreams for herself. Okay, so the the big thing of the met that was the message of the speech was you gotta you can't let other people decide for you. You have to decide what you want and you have to change the way you're thinking about it so that when other people try to tell you you can't do it, you can you keep going forward. That was that was the whole message of that speech. And that's what I really liked about the speech. It was, it was talking about changing the way you're thinking because most of the time um, when people talk about that topic, like how she was talking about, it got really political. And the reason it got really political was because she was talking about, you know, Detroit. She was talking about um, minorities. She was talking about uh, being a woman. So it got really political. That's the only thing I didn't like, how political she kind of made it which I ended up talking to her at the end, like, cause I got to talk, she was just talking to random people. I got, to, I went up to her and I started talking to her and I was like, you know, great speech. I love it. I do public speaking myself. I, um, I love the message behind your speech. And I was like, um, I'm guessing the way like you talk and stuff, you're very like politically active. And she's like, no, she's like, I avoid po uh, politics. I don't like politics. So what it made me think think of was that she didn't mean to make it very political, but it ended up turning very political just the way she was describing certain things. Um, so it wasn't intentionally trying to be political, but she, and you have to keep in mind too, like there's two things that, that I, that I, um, well, one thing I realized and, and two things that, uh, that are going to come up on this. But the first thing is it's FAU. They're a very liberal school. Okay. So that's why it tends to lean more towards the left just because the college is a very liberal, um, it's a liberal school. So that's why, you know, I wasn't really shocked when she, it's certain things went towards the left on politics and stuff, um, which I don't, I don't care. It was, it was more of the fact like um, the message was good. The message was the most important part. There's a lot of people that talk about what she was talking about. Doesn't, they don't mention about how it's all mind. It's all mind over matter type thing. And, and you got to change the way you're thinking which was great on her part. She, she, um, she completely said like, it's all mental. Like it's, it's, it's 110% in my head. And, um, even though she wanted to other things, but anyways, that was the, that was the first thing I realized. Now, the second thing is she should have adapted to the audience she was um, talking to. Cause the way she was talking, most of the kids that I saw in there, there was a couple, um, people that were like, uh, like older than me, probably like thirties, maybe, maybe fifties. Um, but a lot of the kids that she was talking to were like maybe 18 fresh out of high school. And I, I kind of felt like how she was talking about certain things was going to put the wrong image in like these young kids minds. Um, when she first started the speech, it was, it didn't, it didn't go 110% probably like it. 
I don't know. Like, it, you know, it's her speech, but what I'm trying to say is, like, I, don't, I wouldn't have started it the way she started it. She kind of started off really rough, and the way she was, like, presenting certain things, she's putting certain ideas into, like, young kids' heads is what I'm trying to get at. But other than that, it was a great speech. I mean, I, I gave it a 10 out of 10 if I could rate it. That was the only thing that I didn't really like, how political it became. And especially when um, you're talking to the youth, you're talking to young kids. We're talking, like, 18, fresh out of high school, maybe, like, close to, like, 19, 20. Um, they don't, you know, you, you got to try to keep the – you got to try to keep the political stuff out of the, the argument because then it dilutes certain things. So you don't want to, you don't want to get too political on it. Now, the other thing too, um, is I met this one guy. I went into this, uh, teamwork th uh, class. We had to make these, uh, we took this, uh, it was, it was hard uncooked spaghetti and we had to make it to so the marshmallow would stay on top and you could let go of the spaghetti, uh, uncooked spaghetti. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to mess this one up. Um, uncooked spaghetti right and you had to keep the marshmallow in the middle of the two of all that all right i don't want to say spaghetti again because i'm gonna mess it up so you got to put the marshmallow on top and it's gonna stay now the guy i was working with because in the beginning you have to introduce yourself the guy i was working with was um he looked like he was at least in his 40s or 50s and um he, he was a black guy and he said like he's like I'm gonna go to the moon like my my big thing is uh I think he, he's working towards engineering and he was like I'm gonna go work for NASA and he's like I'm gonna go I'm gonna work on the space shuttles but my my dream and I'm gonna end up accomplishing it is going to the moon they're like oh wow man so like you want to be like an astronaut and actually physically go to the moon that's amazing and when I introduced him because um, I was the captain I had to go up and introduce him and I said yeah I was like this guy's incredible like it is a massive dream of going to the moon as an astronaut. That's incredible. That's, that's a massive, massive dream. And I said that that's, that's remarkable. Like that's crazy. All right. And, um, I tried, I tried to pitch him to come onto this show, the goals and updates. He didn't want to do it. Um, I pitched him in the beginning. Cause I'm like, like at the end of that class when we were walking um, to the next thing, I was like, look, man, I, I have a show. I have a podcast. We do a live stream. And I'm like, I really want you on that show as like a co-host um, and just talk about like your, your massive dreams. Cause I'm like, a lot of people don't have dreams like that where they're that massive and impactful to, to like other people. And I'm like, I, I would really love to have you on my show. And he's like, you know, he's like, I'll think about it. And I'm like, I, I'm like, all right, like I'm going to try to pitch him again at the end. Like if he stays, we have this dinner, I get to the end. Um, I end up talking, like I said, to the lady that did the speech. I think her name was Dr. Um, Oliver, Dr. Oliver, I think her name was. And at, at the end, I saw him behind me going to ask her the question and talk to, to Dr. Oliver. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to wait for him. So I waited and I tried to pitch him. I, I took out a pen. I had paper and I'm like, look, I'm like, I know you want to, I'm like, Malvin, I know you want to think about it. I'm like, and you can keep thinking about it. I don't mind thinking about it. I understand it's a big, it's a big thing to ask. But I'm like, if you want to just give me your number, if that's okay, if you're comfortable giving me your number, I was like, I'll just call you. We'll stay in contact. And that way, like, we'll stay in contact. And if, if you ever feel like you're ready to, to go and do it and you want to do it, the opportunity's there. And he was like, he didn't want to give me his number. He was like, um, I ended up walking out with him. And he was like, um, he's like, I just have too many things on my plate right now. I don't, I don't want to do it. And I was like, I was like, damn, like, and I, I just shook his hand. Like, he went to leave. I was like, I was like, nice to meet you, Malvin. I shook his hand. I was like, my name's Tyler. And I was like, you have a great day. Cause 
he was like, I, I, I need your number. Like, we'll meet up in campus. Well, I don't really go to that campus that much, so I'm not going to see him. And that was just a cop-out. So, like, like we all know that's a cop-out. Like, I'm probably not going to see him again. Um, it's a very, very slim chance I'll see him again. And he just probably just didn't want to give me his number. He's probably like, oh, he's going to harass me or something. But, I mean, it's all, it's all good, man. You're going to win and you're going to lose some. The, the, big, the big thing is I went for the opportunity. Okay, and that's what I'm trying to tell you is I went for the opportunity. I tried to make something happen that wasn't there. Okay, one sec. So I tried to create something that wasn't there. I tried to create my own luck and my own opportunity. Now, unfortunately, you know, I tried twice and he just didn't want to do it. And sometimes you can't, you can't force someone to do something they don't want to do. Like I just knew like the way he was talking to me. He was like, I'm just, I just don't want to do it. I have too much stuff. He wasn't even focused on it. Um, so who knows? I might run into him and I'll be like, yo, this, you know, it's fate, man. If I run into him again, I'm going to really try to get his number. I'm going to be like, dude, it's fate. You told me, you know, you're going to think about it. I see you again here. You know, it's fate, man. But anyways, I just thought it was interesting. I just wanted to give you guys that, that I, I don't win all the time. I'm not someone that's expecting to win every single race or every opportunity, but the more opportunities that I try to get involved in, the more times you're more likely to win. That's what I'm trying to tell you is like, you're going to win, you're going to lose some, but you, you got to put yourself in that uncomfortable position in order to start making those wins and gains. But anyways, um, so that, that was that event. I'm trying to think if I can tell you anything. I think that was basically it. But now we're going to get into these two topics. So the first topic we're going to get into is money won't make you happy myth. Now, the reason I want to talk to you about um, money won't make you happy is because it's, it's in our culture. It's completely shrined into every single person. You talk about money, and if you talk, and like 90% of people that you're going to talk to about money are not going to want to talk about money. Maybe business wise, but if you start getting into like personal, um, anything personal related to money, it's automatically a no go. They'll, they'll, they'll completely shut you down and they won't want to talk about it because it's too personal to them. I, I really think the problem is um, we don't talk about money enough. And the reason I tell you that, and I, and by the way, when I did the survey for um, this event, I said, we need to have more financial, personal finance and like more personal finance courses. That's what you should bring to this next event, more personal finance. Like we don't get that in college. That's one of the big things they lack in college is they don't help people uh, with their personal finance. And that's like the number one thing you need to learn in business is how to manage your money properly, how to pay your debts off properly how to um, use interest to your benefit, how to invest, how to do everything to make more money in your pocket so that way you can go and create a successful business, right? That's the one thing they don't teach you in college. And that's what I wrote on that paper. I said, you need more personal finance. So anyways, we don't talk about money enough, okay? Uh, go talk to your parents about money. They'll probably talk to you for five to 10 minutes and they won't want to talk anymore after that. They'll, they'll say, stop being nosy, get out of my business. And, and that's the culture we live in. We live in a culture where it's not, it's not savvy to go and talk about money and how to make more money and how to, how to build a business or how to go in and, and make a lot more money so that way you can go and do the things that you want to do and live comfortably and, and help other people, right? We, we, and, it, and by the way, if you do talk about money, right, you do talk about money, People will think that you're selfish and people will call you a, a selfish person for trying to make more money to help other people. They'll be like, oh, you're selfish. That's why you want to make more money. And it's completely the opposite. The reason you want to make more money is to help your family, help your friends. 
help the the people that you know if someone's begging on the street you can give them a hundred dollars and it doesn't it doesn't break your bank um go and donate to charities and make a difference that way uh go and volunteer your time and have enough money where like you could take some days off of work go on vacation relax a little bit and not worry and stress that you know I, I can't take this day off or I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose money and I can't make my rent or I can't go in. Um, if, if there's a, a medical emergency, right? That's the biggest thing. I'll tell you what I, um, I met, it was my fault. I fell off of uh, a dugout, which sounds really stupid. I fell off a dugout and I busted my, my left elbow. And, uh, for anyone that's on my social media, you probably saw me in the cast and like had really bad hair or whatever. And, um, I ended up, um, messing up, a ligament in my elbow and it was, it had fluid in it. So like, uh, they said like I busted some kind of ligament and all the fluid came in and my, my elbow swelled up to like five times the size and I couldn't bend it. I couldn't move it. It was really painful. So what happened was I woke up the next morning after that and I'm like, damn, I'm in so much pain. I can't sleep cause I'm in so much pain. I gotta go, I gotta go get this checked out. Cause I was kind of, cause you know, you get nervous and you can't move your arm and you're in a lot of pain. You're like, Oh my God, I broke my elbow. That's what I thought. I'm like, oh man, I broke my elbow. So I'm like, so I end up going to the hospital and I end up coming out with like 1500, almost two grand of debt because my health, um, I was under my family's, uh, my parents' healthcare, healthcare plan. I wasn't working this full-time job yet. And they, their, their plan was you have to meet the $3,000 deductible before you can actually get reimbursed for things. So it was 2000. It, it, we started a new year and it reset. So I was responsible for the two grand and, um, I ended up, you know, I ended up having to pay that. I'm still paying that debt down, by the way. That was like, uh, that was like seven or eight months ago. All right. I'm still paying some of that debt down. I just paid off like 90% of it. I have about 10% of it left and that's going to be paid off probably within the next three to four months. But the point of the matter is, you know, if something stupid like that happens or it could have been 15 times worse you want to have enough money where like you're, you're going to be okay. Like you're, you're not gonna, they're not going to come to you and be like, Hey, like we, you can't cover this. Like, you know, it's, it's life or death, you know, it's a life or death emergency and you don't have enough money to do this. You know, what's going to happen. So that's why it's important to, to have money. And what you'll see is that society will say the people that are rich are selfish. They don't give a, they don't care about the other people. They're very selfish. And you know, like, it, you should you shouldn't want all that money. Like what do you like? What are you gonna do with all that money, right? But if you look at the very successful people that are very very wealthy, they're in a position to give away way more money. They're in a position to build these businesses to give you jobs. They're in a position to do a hell of a lot more than any poor person could ever do, and that's about maybe like a billion times more than the average person could do with with money. All right. What I learned too is money is a tool. All right. Money is not bad. Money is not good. It's a tool. It's a tool just like a screwdriver would be to tighten up a, a bolt or a screw. Right. It's just a tool. And you need to learn how to use that tool just like a screwdriver or a hammer or whatever type of tool you want to uh, think about right now. But it's just a tool. And you need to learn the right ways with that tool to make more money so that way you, your family, and your friends and anyone else that you want to help out, you can do. So you need to change the way you're thinking about money. Now, the myth is you'll never be, um, money will never make you happy. So that's the myth that I'm going to talk about right now. Now, 
real quick before I get into that too, because I just had another thought. When I went to this 10X growth conference, okay, I went to this 10X growth conference and I think about three or four of the speakers came on and my, even my friend who's not, he's not really into like the motivational speaking. He, do, he doesn't really know these people that were up there. He picked up on it too. And he told me this, he said, or these people said, and this is what he brought up to my attention. He said, uh, notice what they said. And they would say money makes the person, the person makes the money, right? But if you're selfish, if you're greedy, money just exposes that. So money doesn't, doesn't create the problems. Money's not evil. It's the person that's making the decisions with the money. So if you're a good person, you want to help people, the more money you get, the more you can do with that. If you're an evil person, you, you're very manipulative or mani yeah, I messed that one up. Man like you manipulate people. I don't know. I was trying to say a different word, but I'm going to go around it. Um, you, you're very, you want to manipulate people and you want to take advantage of situations and you want to, you know, be greedy and you don't want to help anyone. You just want to make a dollar. It's going to expose that and you're going to see it just like social media. Social media exposes people every single day for what they really are. It, but it's, it's the idea that money is not the problem. It's the person behind the money, right? If you're generous, you, you know, it's, it's just going to make you more of a generous, uh, better person. Cause you're going to be able to help more people. But if you're very, if you're an evil person and you're, you know, you're greedy, it's not, it's, you're not going to do much with it. So that's, that was what they were saying. Like four of the, the 15 speakers or 10 speakers there all said that. And they said, that's, that's the big, that's the big myth too, is that people think that just because you have a lot of money that you're an evil person or that you, you're not doing anything like in society and you're just kind of greedy. And he said, it just exposes like certain people. Uh, like that the college scam that you just recently saw. I'm sure those people aren't very good people if they're paying, uh, you know, college. They're paying those, uh, they're trying to get their kids into college and they're buying their way in. Like it just shows who they really are, right? But anyway, so the, the money myth is that it won't make you happy. Now, they touched up on this too. And I've seen other videos where they talk about this, like wealthy people talking about this. And what they all say is that even though it's true that money won't make you happy, it gets you 99% close to happiness. And the reason for it is you're not as stressed. Like I said, it's a tool. And it'll, it'll help you out along the way. Now, the thing that you're going to be missing is you got to surround yourself with the right people when you have the money. Because um, I think Steve Harvey was the one that was talking about this in his speech. He said, if you have a lot of money, you're going to have everyone that maybe you knew that doesn't talk to you anymore. They're going to come out of the blue and they're going to, they're going to like, oh, I always knew you could do it. And they're going to want your money right? So he said, it's important to surround yourself with the good people first when you get that money. Because if you surround yourself with the good people, you'll, you'll be happy. So it, it is a lot to do with the, the, your surroundings. It really comes down to who you're putting around yourself and the people that you can trust. Because when it comes down to it, are those people going to have your back when you have the money and shit goes south? Or, um, or are those people going to run and hide and just use you for your money and then leave once, once you're done. Right. So that, that's, that's, that's the real myth. The, even, even though they're partially right on the fact that, you know, it's not going to make you 100% happy. You could have all the money in the world. And if you don't have the right people and you don't have the right foundation, uh, you know, you're not going to be, you're probably going to regret certain things and you're going to, you know, you're not gonna be a hundred percent happy, but 
they say like in order to get to that target of being happy, you have to be financially free. So that's where they're wrong on that myth of money won't make you happy. It gets you to that destination point of being happy. But then you got to find the people that surround you, you know, the people that are surrounding you that you trust, like family, certain friends that like have probably been, been with you since the beginning of time. Um, you know, and anyone that, that you completely know 110%, you know, loved you before you even had the money. Right. So that, that's, that's, that's the myth. Now, um, I can't give you obviously any examples cause I've never had, I've never had wealth. Uh, you know, I've never had extreme wealth or anything. So I can't give you the example that I normally give you guys through these things. Like I, cause I don't, I, I've never had that, but I've had situations before where, um, I, you know, you get, you got, I had to help, help, like, I helped my dad at one point. Cause like if, if something's wrong, right. And my family and like, uh, because people know, like I'm, I'm pretty good with my money. Like I'll pay my debts right off the back. Like when I get paid, I pay the debts, whatever is left, I'll pay myself. Right. Or kind of do that backwards. I always pay myself. Then I pay the debts, but I always make sure I pay the debts and whatever's left over, I'll probably either throw back into savings or I'll put it towards something that I really need. But I never, I'm not, I'm not a crazy spender, right? I have that conservative mindset, but I know that you gotta, you gotta spend in order to make it, but you have to conserve what, what's, uh, you gotta conserve a little bit. That's the problem with a lot of people too, is they just spend it. They get a paycheck and it's gone instantly. And, um, that's why the, that's why if you're living in the United States, the IRS takes money directly out of your paycheck before you even see it because they know you're going to spend all that cash. that's why they take all that money out before you even get that check or you get that direct deposit is they know the average American is going to spend all their money and they're not going to be able to pay their taxes. So they, they take it. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta figure out how, like, I don't know. I might do some YouTube videos on this too, because I'm pretty good at, I'm pretty good at like explaining things very simplified and I, I could probably, I could probably do some, I, I thought about doing some stuff on YouTube that would actually be very beneficial that they don't really talk about. And I was thinking about maybe doing like credit. I was thinking maybe of doing, um, how to like, uh, how to spend money properly, how to like save, how to, um, how to spend less and try to do only what you need. Um, that's another thing too. A lot of, I was talking to the kid next to me, um, Marcos and he, he's like, yeah, I leased this car and I got the top of the line model. And he's like, I pay like, I think he said he pays almost close to $400 a month and plus insurance on top of that. So he's probably paying at least five to $600 a month, which is ridiculous. I pay half that. Okay. I pay a $243 car payment. And I think now, and now it's like two forty-five. Um, and I have the base model of a car. Okay. Um, and I pay, I think 160 on insurance. So you're probably looking close to a little bit over three, maybe yeah, probably a little under four. Um, it probably close to like, it's probably like 450. Yeah. Probably like 450, 440, um, with everything, car insurance in the car. All right. And the, the point that I'm trying to make to you is that I could have, if I had the smallest car in the world, I'd be okay. And the reason for that is because in my mind, a car is just to get you to point A to point B. If you want luxury, man, you got to earn luxury. And that's what these, that's what a lot of these millennials, a lot of like even adults don't understand is um, you got to earn that luxury. 
you don't have money in the bank and you don't have enough to, to you know, do like a $700 car payment at plus insurance, you shouldn't be driving that car. You shouldn't be. Um, at the end of the day, it's your choice to drive that and take on that financial risk or responsibility, but you shouldn't be driving it if you don't have the money. And uh, that, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Now, we're going to go into the, the next one, which is pain. And this one I thought about because I was listening to a motivational video and they were talking about what pain really is. And um, they, like, they talk about the gym a lot with pain. And I think it was, I think it was honestly um, Will Smith. I was listening to this video with Will Smith and he was going over a bunch of stuff with the, cause he works out and he's talking about like, he's going to be the hardest worker. So if you're on a treadmill with him, he'll outwork you on the treadmill and uh, it, it, he'll die before he gets off the treadmill if he's going against you. So he's trying to say how hard he works. But what he was talking about was pain. And he said the reason why you, you have to go through the pain at the gym to get the result, right? The reason why your body's killing you at the end of the workout is because your body's constantly failing at the gym. So basically you're working out right? And you feel the pain and it's because your body's changing as you're working out. So if you're working out your biceps and you're going, um, you know, your, your biceps are getting tighter, right? You're building more muscle, which is expanding, right? And it's causing pain. And that's how you know you're getting results because you feel the burn. You feel, you feel different at the end of the workout. Um, but he was saying like, which was the most interesting thing I've ever heard in my life. I've, I've never, I've never heard anyone put it this way, but he was saying you fail, your body fails every single time you go to that gym. And that's why you feel the pain is because your body's constantly going into like re retraction almost with, um, with like failing itself. And you'll go to the gym and maybe do 12, but then you have to do, you know, then maybe next time you go, you're like, all right, I'm going to do 15. Cause after a while, after you do a couple reps every, and, you know, and you're consistent with the gym, you're like, okay, like 20 pounds is easy now. Now I'm going to go up to 35. So the thing that was really interesting with that is how he was saying how your body reacts to, to the pain of working out. And I don't, it just, it was, it was, I don't know. Maybe I'll look at that video and post it up here. Cause I got to post some motivational videos on the Facebook channel anyways, but it was just crazy. Like he went into depth on a bunch of things like the news and stuff like that. How, uh, I'll bring you this one since I'm talking about Will Smith, but, and that might be a little bit interesting, but um, he was talking about the news. He was on vacation and I forgot where he was. He was in, um, I think he went to like Colorado or something uh, or Las Vegas. Maybe I think he was in Vegas and he said he, he was in his hotel room and he turned on the news. He's like, you know, uh, he's like, I'm not doing anything. I want to uh, kill some time. Basically I'm going to turn on the television and watch the news. Cause that's just generally like he was saying, it's just natural for him to go on and watch the news. Well, he's on the news and uh, he, before he goes to turn it, he's like, why would I want to watch the news? Um, I, don't, I, don't want the ne I don't want anything negative right now. He's like, you know, I'm about to, to go do, um, I think he's going to go do a show or something. And, and he was like, I don't want to watch the news. And, but he said his mind subconsciously wanted him to go and turn on the news and watch the news. And he was trying to figure out why. Because he said deep down inside, he had to stop himself from turning on the news, but Mentally, he wanted to watch the news. And he said what he came to a conclusion of is that because it was so peaceful where he was and there was no, like, it was very, very quiet, he was by himself, he thought something, like, he had to, he had to go and watch something that was going to, um, 
he had to watch something that was going to disturb him almost, like, because it was too quiet. And he said, that's the problem with, like, that's the problem with our brains is that we constantly want to go and, and make sure there's noise or make sure there's something wrong. And he said, that's why he wanted to go and turn on the news. And it was just subconsciously like, he's like, all right, I'm going to go, like, I'm bored. I'm, I'm home all alone. And he's like, I'm going to go and turn on the news. And he said it was, um, and he said he didn't really want to do that. He just said his brain subconsciously just told him to go and watch the news and he had to stop himself when he was going. And, and I thought it was really interesting when I was listening to Will Smith when he was talking about that because it was kind of interesting because no one talks about that. No one really, like, no one, no one really talks about how, like, you're just, a, you're just attracted to negative. And that's what he's trying to say. He was like, I don't, he's like, I don't enjoy watching the news because, you know, I watch the news and it just constantly has all this negative stuff. But he was like, subconsciously, I just, I just felt like I had to go and watch the news. And he said it was just because it was so quiet where he was that he like he almost it's almost like it was so quiet that he needed something to be wrong and that and he was talking about his brain basically doing that so and he's kind of he's not the only one that's ever talked about the whole negative thing and how like uh you're you're constantly looking for for the negative not the positive in your life or in in your environment or anything just that how we just so interesting because for anyone like that just like um, the one that i was talking to you about with um, what do you call it with the gym where he was talking about like your body's constantly failing and that's where the pain comes in. Cause like your, your body's constantly trying to fail as you work out and it's just repetition that, that takes into place. And that's how you get the results that you want is just through the pain of your body constantly failing through the process, which is crazy. Now um, I'm, I'm going to try to go into some examples of pain. Cause I, I've been through some rough stuff in my life and I, I can probably give you some really good examples, but um. Sorry, I was trying to get this thing out. It's distracting me. But so I can give you a couple of examples of pain, but I give you my own definition of pain. Uh, to, you know, that was kind of definitely You have, like, in my theory of pain, I like the quote, and they kind of, a lot of, you probably heard this all the time, uh, no pain, no gain. And the reason for it is if you're not in any type of pain or emotional pain, physical pain, it means you didn't push yourself to that limit. It means you didn't go ahead of what everyone expected you or even yourself expected you to do. And that's something, um, something that I personally think to myself, you know, they were at, excuse me, almost 10 p.m., like a seven, eight hours event day, talked to multiple people. Um, you know, I, I did a lot of stuff today throughout the whole entire day. I woke up extremely early and I got like no sleep last night and, but I'm still here, right? I pushed through the pain because I realized, you know, it's, uh, if there's no pain involved in it, it's, there's, it's not worth doing. Why do people go to the gym when they know they're getting, they're going to beat up their bodies and the next day they're going to wake up and feel terrible about themselves. It's because they know that the pain they have to accept the pain in order to get those results, right? And the one I could probably give you because you got to start from the bottom and work your way up at a company from literally the bottom and work your way up. And you got to put in those, you got to put on all those long hours and you got to sacrifice uh, what you probably really want to do in life in order to, to put more of your time into that job. You got to go in and work with people maybe that you're not, you know, you, you probably don't really like, 
you got to work for a boss that maybe you don't like, you know, luckily I've had a lot of bosses where, um, you know, they're very nice people. They're chill. And like, as long as you work, you, you're working to achieve their goals or you're, um, you're trying to align with what they want, you know, they're pretty, they're okay. All right. We had a little malfunction. Uh, Facebook for some reason cut the whole video. Um, so it cut me off when I was going, I, I felt like I was going pretty hard in the paint. Uh, <laughs> I felt like I was going pretty hard with that one, but, um, so that's, so you got to work your way from the top, right? At a job. I'm going to try to take off from where I was. So if you're working at a corporation, which is like what, like, I'd say like 90% of people do, they go for a corporation for the benefits and the, and the opportunity at that job environment. And you're working against massive amounts of people. Like I said before, like a hundred times, like I'm in a company where it's 700 plus employees. I got to stand out somehow to get in front of the proper people. And I got to get, you know, I got to stand out to get where I want to go through that company. Right. So you're going to go through a lot of pain. I went through a lot of, lot of pain at this job. The first, uh, the first month, because the, the cycle of learning all this stuff in one go was so stressful that like one day I came home and I passed out for, uh, 10 hours. So you got to understand that it's going to happen. All right. And, and you need pain. Don't run from the pain, embrace the pain. You, you, you can't get anywhere in life without pain. There has to be some type of give and take with pain in order to get where you want. Pain is a good thing. Pain means you're going in the right direction. Now, that, that's kind of like my definition. Now, I'm going to give you some examples of uh, pain in my own life that I had, to, I had to struggle through and it took a lot of effort and, and realization that you know, eventually it was going to end. And that's the good thing with pain. Eventually, it's going to end. Right. So that's what you got to put in your mind when you're going through a, a workout and like it's killing you or you're going through um, a long term commitment in a relationship or you're going through a long term. Um, uh, what do you call it? A uh, job. Right. Like you're, you're trying to you're trying to get through with the company for a long time. Right. So for me, I'm trying to go with this company at least for three or four years. And uh, that's long. That's long term. Like that's that's a long that's a long way or a long time away from now. Right. So I got to be committed and I got to mentally prepare myself for that commitment throughout throughout that pain that's going to cause me throughout that job. So um, I'm going to give you some examples right now. So the biggest one in my life was um, my my first real relationship. And I, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to go into massive, massive detail with it, but I'm going to try to cut to the point with it. Um, I ended up going out with this one girl uh, halfway through. You know, I, I, I fell madly in love with this girl and halfway through she ended up getting an arranged marriage and it caused a lot of um, it caused a lot of emotional issues with me because I was I was fully committed to this girl. And when this this situation happened on Instagram buzzed off. Damn, man, they're they're, they're hitting me, man. We're going to keep going. though. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just going to let hopefully it posted on Instagram, but I'm going to try to keep going on Facebook. Um, but damn, man, they're killing me on this. But, uh, but anyways, uh, so she got into arranged marriage and, uh, it emotionally screwed me up inside because in my mind, I'm, I'm fully committed to her. I'm like, okay, I love this girl. I know for 110%, I love this girl and I I'm fully committed to her. And it made me question if she was fully committed to me. So it, it, it messed me up psychologically very like, like, like I'd say like, almost like a nine out of 10 or close to a 10 out of 10. Like I had a lot of issues after that. And I had, to, I went into this very 
depressed stage. There's a lot of other stuff that happened after all that. Like I ended up staying, I tried to stay with her for um, a year and a half after that when she told me. Um, a lot of things happened in between. Um, I had to constantly wait for a phone call from her because she technically legally wasn't mine. Um, so you got, you got to understand, like, it doesn't sound that bad because the way I'm explaining it and like, you're missing all the details within the time frame of it. And, um, it's easier, it's easier to not, not fully put, you know, surround, surround the thought of it because maybe you didn't go through it. You have to think about it in terms of like putting yourself in a position like that. And it psychologically messes you up because instantly you're like, well, I really love this person. And, you know, I, does, does she really love me at this point? And I talked to a lot of people. A lot of people are trying to tell me like, you know, like she doesn't really like love you the way you love her. And they tried to help me out. They tried to like, talk some common sense into me. But this is why I know that what I, when I tell you guys that changing the mental stage of um, how you're thinking positive, like negative to positive thinking, how I know it's not, every, you know, I'm going to have people that are going to join this. And people are going to be like, yeah, whatever. It's not going to work for me. And, and the only way you can convince people is if they're open-minded to it. It like it, it comes back to the whole drug saying that I always say where um, you, can't, you can't make a drug addict, right? If someone's addicted to drugs or alcohol, you can't make that person change. That person has to realize, right, that they're a drug addict or an alcoholic or they have an issue and they have to they have to want to change in order to change. You can't convince that person by just telling them like, "Hey, you're you're a drug addict, you're this, you're that." They have to be willing to change. And the reason I, I 110% understand that concept is because of the whole thing with my uh, my first relationship, where I ended up trying to stay with this girl for a year and a half doing when she was going through an arranged marriage. And um, I'm telling you, like every single person I talked to throughout this whole entire uh, life life issue that I was going through is telling me the same thing over and over and over again. And I wasn't listening and I was constantly going down the same path. So that's why, like I always talk about that, um, that saying with like a drug addict or an alcoholic, like you can't convince people, people have to be willing to, uh, listen or willing to change. You can't just change someone. So, you know, that's where this comes into place with, um, with the, the pain that I'm trying to tell you with, with my own life. This is the example I'm trying to give you is um, I went through that. It psychologically messed me up internally or um, mentally for a long time. Like I, I was messed up. Uh, I went through a lot of different things. Um, I went through like suicidal issues. I went through, um, I, I'm telling you, I went through like everything. I, I hit rock bottom 110% and that's what changed everything for me. Cause I'm like, I need to change my life. Cause I was going into, I was going into phases where I didn't care about school anymore. And I was like, basically not showing up for class. Um, I, I, I stayed in the house all day. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I talked to someone and we ended up talking about a relationship and then I'd automatically think about her. Or like we talk about this person or whatever. And it would constantly go back to this, you know, that, that situation. And what I realized was I had to change my thoughts. I had to change something within myself because, uh, you know, I'd look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, this isn't, this isn't me. This isn't, this isn't the right way to do this. There's something wrong and I got to change something. So that's when I started realizing that it was all mental. And no matter what political side you're on, it all comes down to mental. 
right? It comes down to the way you're thinking, the way you're processing information, the way you're acting, the way you're looking at life in a certain perspective. It all comes down to one thing. It's all mental, right? And that, and that's why when I ran into um, my friend Ashma, who um, I've been friends with for, I want to say two years now, I was just on the phone with her for like an hour and a half. Like she's coming back down to Coral Springs and I'm going to go hang out with her. And I, I, and she, she tells me every single time I talk to her, cause we talk about, we talk about everything, like literally everything, like, like completely best friends. We talk about everything and she, and she calls me whenever she has an issue. And I try to, I try to help her out the, the best I can. I'm not perfect. I try to just do the best I can with giving her the right information. And I'm not always right by the way. So, you know, maybe, you know, but I, I'm pretty confident in the stuff that I preach. That's why I'm coming on and doing these goals and updates. But she tells me every single time. She said, you saved my life, okay? And, ev and every single time she tells me that, that I saved her life, right, it, it, it reinforces that I know that what I'm doing is going to help a lot of people. And it, it really, it, it drives me. That, that's what singly drives me to keep doing the, the goals and updates is because I know that no one talks about this stuff. No one talks about, changing your negative thinking to positive thinking and how to get there and, and what steps to take. And, and it's a lot of stuff. Like I hit certain, I hit certain elements in my life still where, um, I hit these roadblocks and I, and you and have to figure out how to get around them. Um, so I'm telling you, like, I'm not even perfect on all this stuff. No one is, but if I can somehow become mentally stronger every single day, those, those little issues become nothing. I just throw them away. And that's what I'm trying to help her with um, still is trying to constantly get her into the same loop. Constantly get her into the same loop where if something small happens, sorry, if something, excuse me, if someone, if something small happens, it doesn't, it doesn't tear all the progress that she made because, um, you know, she went through, she went through a really rough time, which is like 90% of uh, most people that have depression. And I, and you know, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not licensed in the doc, you know, as a doctor, I'm not, um, I don't call myself a professional, but I know that there's a, a lot of biased stuff going on within the medical industry. Okay. Now, you know, you can get political on it. You can, um, you can tell you can you can basically call me out and say I'm not a professional like uh, my ex was doing for a long time whenever I talked to her about an issue medically, but you have to understand that when she came to me, right? She came to me and she was in a in a depressed age and her problem was very simple when she came to me and I, I knew right away what the issue was. Okay, she came to me and she's like, "Look, having suicidal thoughts." She's like. I'm dabbling into a lot of drugs. She's like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm basically losing my mind and I'm in, I'm in massive, massive depression right now. And she's like, I just don't want to live anymore. And I said, look, and, and I'm, and I'm telling you, like, um, I, I just, I, I looked at her and I said, look, I've been there before. And I said, you need to listen to me very, very carefully. Cause it's, it's basically like, it's life or death. Because either you figure it out or you don't figure it out and you end up killing yourself. And, and I said, uh, it's, it's all up here. It's all mental. And I said, what's going to happen is everyone, society is going to tell you it's, it, it, you, have a, you have an issue. 
society, everyone, I'm telling you, I, I told her straight up. I said, everyone's going to tell you the wrong thing. Everyone's going to say you need to go get help. You need to go see a doctor. You need to go do X, Y, and Z. And they're all wrong. And I said, uh, you got to start, you got to start thinking differently. You got to start changing the way you're looking at the world. You got to start changing the way like you care about other people, the way other people are looking at you. You got to change what's deep down inside mentally. That's causing you to get out of focus on yourself. Said, I've been there before. I've hit rock bottom. I explained my situation. Like I just did to you guys, to her. And she was like, you know what? She's like, screwed. I'm just going to try. I've tried everything. Um, you know, I'm just going to try it. Okay. She ended up trying it for a couple weeks and, uh, what ended up happening was, um, she didn't give it enough time. She only gave it a couple weeks. Like it, you don't change your whole perspective in a couple of weeks. It takes time. You got You got to discipline yourself on how you're thinking. You got to catch certain elements that you're doing. And it, you know, it's like, you know, she was, uh, I think 20 at that, that time. Uh, 20 or I think she was 20 at that time. So for 20 years, she's been thinking a certain way. People have been influencing her how to think. Her parents are probably telling her certain things. Um, she went to school and made friends and her friends are influencing her. She works. People that she works with are influencing her and she probably wasn't filtering anything. So she's getting a lot of information from different people and she's not filtering out what she is. Other people are making her choices for her, which is a common thing that people don't realize. And what ended up happening was she gave it a couple weeks and it didn't really work out for her. And so I'm, what happened was she went to her parents and I, and, and like, I haven't met her parents yet. You know, eventually I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet her parents. Cause like she's always telling me like my, you know, I talk about, I talk about you all the time to my parents and uh, I really want you to meet them. Like they want to meet you and uh, eventually I'm going to meet them. It just hasn't, it hasn't been the right time to go and like meet up. Like it just hasn't, it hasn't been put together yet. But, um, the point that I was going to make is, she goes to her family and I was having this conversation with my mom a couple days ago. And I said, it's, it's not, it's not the parents fault because, uh, your normal reaction as a parent is you love your kids so much that you just want to get them help. So what's, what's the, what's the next thing that a parent normally does? A parent is like, you know, so, like, oh my God, my kid, like if I don't do something, cause you hear about this all the time, people killing themselves. It's, it's, it, it's a common thing. So they freak out. They go, oh my gosh, I got to get them help. You go, you go to a, um, a doctor. Now, what is the doctor going to say? Oh, you're crazy. You're doing drugs. Like you need help. Right. So they're going to diagnose you and they're going to say that you need help. And what's the common thing is a massive, massive issue in this country. And it's probably not even just the United States in total is what does a doctor normally do? They give you prescription drugs. Okay. Now what happens is these drugs that they're prescribing you because they think that, you know, they think because you're mentally, you have mental issues, which they're, they're right on the mental factor, but how they're handling the situation is where it's wrong. So they ended up prescribing her this drug. Now I don't remember the specific drug that it was called. Okay. But what happens is, uh, she ends up, she ends up coming into town and she goes, she goes, Hey, she goes, um, I, um, I talked to my parents. My dad knows this, uh, doctor and he, he, um, he wants to put me on this medication and, and he, and, and she's like, I'm, I'm really nervous. Like, I don't really want to go on the medication. Um, can you listen on, on to the phone call? 
When I go, okay, I, I could do that for you. Listen to the phone call, and right off the bat, he's telling her he's not even telling her like it's it's he's not telling her that it's it's her. He goes off the back and he goes, oh, this is very normal. He's like, I deal with cases like this all the time, um, and it's it's some it there's something wrong with you. So the two things that he did completely wrong, okay, is he said it's very common, right? And it's it's your fault. Or it's it's not your fault, like it's just something wrong with you. So that was the problem. He didn't he didn't tell her like it's your fault, it's the way you're thinking. He said it's very, very common. He said, um, it happens all the time. And he goes, You're gonna want to take this drug. And I like I said, I don't remember the exact drug that he was prescribing her. He said, You're gonna take this drug. And he's like, This is what this is this is the key point of this whole entire story. He's like, if you take this drug, you can't just get off the drug. You can't just decide one day not to take the drug. It's going to cause you massive side effects. You got to slowly, you got to slow dose off of it. And I, and, and right off the back, right off the back in my mind, I'm like, oh shit, he's going to prescribe her this heavy, heavy medication. And it's going to make her way worse. Cause it can't, you got to think about this guys. If, if you have to slowly dose off of it it's it's gonna psychologically or or it's gonna mess you up in some way it's gonna change something all right the drug is not you know if you're taking tylenol okay you you don't slowly you don't slowly get off a tylenol you just take a tylenol and and your headache goes away and then the next day you're fine okay we're not talking about tylenol here we're talking about some kind of heavy drug that's gonna mentally change the the alter the state of mind that she's gonna go into and I told her that right off the back. I said, listen, it's your choice in the end to take that drug or not. I said, I'm going to look up what that drug is. We looked it up and it said causes ma- it causes uh, suicidal thoughts. Okay. So he prescribed her a drug that was supposed to help her get out of depression and solve that issue for a drug that's known to cause suicidal thoughts, which is the scariest thing in my book, in my mind. Okay, he's supposed to help her and he's giving her something that's going to cause more issues or could cause more issues, right? And I told her I said, "Look, that's that's very alarming that it's going to cause it's going to cause it's going to cause you to go into more depression and and more suicidal thoughts and that you have to slowly get off the medication." And I said, "I'm telling you it's it's you don't need the medication. It's you. It's all mental. It's up here. You got to change the way you're looking at it. You got to change the way you're thinking." And that's how you're going to get out of this situation. You're putting a Band-Aid on a bigger issue. You're just putting a Band-Aid on. It's going to come back to bite you in the ass. I told her that straight up. Well, I think what happened is she went back to her parents. Her parents obviously talked her into doing the drug. She goes on the drug. A month later, she calls me up crying on the phone. And she goes, listen, she's like, she's like, I, she's like, I can't do this anymore. She's like, this drug is making everything worse. She's like, I'm taking this medication and everything is getting worse. And I said, listen, you got to get, you got to get off it and and I'll help you through it. I said it, it, you got to change the way you're thinking though. And you got to be open-minded and you got to, you got to commit to it. You can't take three weeks changing the state of your mind for 20 years of your whole entire life, living a certain way and believing in certain things. Like it's not going to change overnight. You got to give it time. She ends up getting off the drug. And what ends up happening is uh, I, I, I basically coach her 
and I go like, look, you're like, how do you look at this? And like, we're sitting, I remember like one time we're sitting at the beach and she's talking to me and she's like, you know, I, I just care too much about what my parents think. I care too much about like what other people, how other people look at me. And I said, look, I said the cold, hard truth. And I'm like, I'm going to be bluntly honest with you because, uh, it's, it's life is not a pretty picture. I said, you got to stop going from what your parents want you to do and start living your life and do what you want to do. That's why you're in a certain position is you're, you're too worried about what everyone else is thinking about you. So you're adapting to what other people want and you're not going for what you, what you particularly want out of life. And that's why you're feeling depressed and, and you're out of place and you're out of touch with reality and all this other stuff. It, it's just, and I'm like, you got to fight society. Society is going to force you to go one direction and you got to go a different direction. Sometimes you got to test different, different ideas, different things you like. You got to test the waters with certain things and you got to, you got to start changing the way you're looking at things. So anyways, she ends up changing everything and she, um, I'm telling you every single time I talked to her, she's like, listen, you're the only person that told me the truth. Only person. Everyone else wanted to put me on drugs, which they did. Wanted to put me on drugs. Everyone wanted to um, not tell me the cold hearted truth that it's, it's, it's me mentally. And she's like, you saved my life. She said, you saved my life because you're the only one that was a true person and a true friend and a, and a real person to tell me that I had to change the mental stage of my thinking in order to in order to become more happier with my life in order to not listen to what everyone else is saying in order to not um not go with the crowd and and follow the trends and and all this other stuff and um and start doing my own thing and and realizing what I want out of life so that that's that's I'm telling you that's what keeps me going whenever I have a down moment I'm like you know I, I've I, I've saved someone's life um, and you know, that, that's, that's a, that's a crazy feeling. And, and that's why I really started the goals and updates was because, uh, if I could change someone that's, that's at the, at the lowest of lows, someone that wanted to take their life and, and I, and I, and I, and I saved this, I saved this person that I've, I didn't, I didn't know at the time. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know Ashma at all when I was helping her through this process. And I just, I just knew that. I just, I just knew what she was going through. Cause like I went through it myself and, and no one was helping me through it. And I had to figure it out on my own. And I, I knew it was just the, I knew it was the way she was looking at it or the way she was thinking about it. And, um, uh, you know, not a lot of people, I, I don't think a lot of people have the courage to do what I did. Now I'm not, I'm not saying that to boast. I'm not saying that to brag. Um, I'm, I'm telling you like, like, uh, you know, I, I really, I, like I, I was actually scared that she was actually going to do something like that. I was actually really worried about her for a, a long time through the process. Cause she, I think she was in a deeper stage than I was when I was at rock bottom. I, I really do. Um, Cause I, I kind of knew the answer. My problem was I was suppressing the answer and I, I didn't, I didn't want to hear the answer, but I also knew that since she was already at a low point, like she was already at, like she was basically at rock bottom as, as low as you can possibly go. She only had one option is to go up. She only had one direction she could possibly go because she was already at the bottom. So I was like, if I could just feed her the information and if she would just take the information and apply it, she'll she'll overcome it, one hundred and ten percent. I I knew that for a fact, and um that that's that's that I think that day I think that I think the day that she told me that I saved her life 
really really impacted me in a way where I'm like, I I can help I can help millions of people. I think that's really what it comes down to. I, I you know, that, that, and that's all that's what that's what I wanted to do my whole entire life was uh to to really to like at age eighteen, right? And this is kind of it's kind of weird because like it's it, it kind of is emotional because like I, I think that's my purpose in life is really to is is really to help as many people as I possibly can, and uh, you know that, that that's really what I was put on the earth to do was to help anyone I possibly could, and you know that's why that's why I do like I'm telling you that's why I come on here that 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 is my motivation for doing these shows with the goals and updates is. I, I, I just know I can change, I, I can change the way people are thinking and I, and I can, I can make a real difference in the world. And I, um, you know, it, it just, it, cause I, cause like I knew, I'm telling you, I knew at age 18 that I, I was going to be, I was capable of doing a lot more than what I was doing. And, uh, and she, and she just completely confirmed it for me. Like she completely just like, you know, and she didn't like, obviously, the funny thing is she didn't mean to purposely do it and I didn't mean to purposely do it. It was just the right time at, you know, it was a situation where I was at the right time at the right place. And, uh, you know, God, I mean, honestly, if you really think about it, like God knows what would have happened if I didn't meet, meet her at that time in her life. And that's, what's really crazy when I start to think about it is like, what if I didn't meet her at that time? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if she would still be here to be hundred percent honest with you. Um, but it, you know, and, and, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just honestly, like, really believe that I was put on this earth to help as many people as I possibly can. The, you know, the greats, the people that you really think about, the great, the greats that you know today have done something to help other people. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say it's my faith. And I, and I mean, I can honestly believe that. Like, I do believe it's my faith that puts me in a position where I'm like, you know, I care about people. And, I, and, and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to, if I could just live by a book of rules where um, I can live by my own set of rules and not what society wants me to do, I can make a difference. So, um, you know, that's, 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 I think that's all I really have for the, the pain thing. But I, I don't know, like, it was, just, I don't know, I got a little emotional on that one. But, it was, it's just a crazy, it really is a crazy opportunity or a crazy thing that happened w- within my life because she always tells me how I changed her life. But in reality, she really changed my life because she, she got me to realize how much of a difference I can really make. If I could, if I could help someone in that stage of mind go from, you know, zero to a hundred or zero to 90 and completely save someone's life. You know, what, what can I do if I can expand to a bigger audience or go and talk to more people? Uh, that, that's, that's the real, that's the real message that I got off. It was like, what if I could go into a podcast or what if I could go into something where I could hit more people in an audience? Um, I can make, I can make a hell of a lot more of a difference than most people can. But, um, so yeah, so that's going to be, uh, I think that's going to wrap up the, the pain one, but, um, I think what I'm going to do is do done deal investments. I'm going to call Fabrizio and see what he's doing. Cause maybe I'll do, I'll, maybe I'll go. I mean, it's like 10, damn, it's like 10 30. I, I, Cause I really wanted to do a co-hosting and that, that was my big thing tonight was like, Oh, we're going to get Fabrizio on here. We're going to have a great conversation tonight. Cause that, that kid kills it. I, I mean, he, he's just natural talent that it takes na- it, like it. He doesn't even try that hard to talk on this. And that's just pure natural talent. 
Um, I really want to get other people on here too. Like I really wanted to get that one guy, but um, you know, it, it happens. It's, it's, it's the radio, it's the radio business, right? Uh, it, it, things don't always perfectly align themselves, but anyways, I'm going to do done deal investments. We're going to wrap this up. So real quick, I, I own a business done deal investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. And what this business is designed to do is to help a distressed seller with a investor. Now, how this works is I call it the three steps to financial freedom. The first step is you have to contact me somehow. If you know anyone, a family member, a friend, you know, um, maybe it's yourself that's just somehow came across this because uh, I put Dundeal Investments on it and you just came across it and now you're, you're hearing Dundeal Investments. Um, you need to contact me somehow. There's plenty of ways you can contact me. Phone, I prefer the phone just because I have to ask you some questions about your property and the situation you're in. You can go to the website, fill out a form. You can go on all social media platforms and direct message me, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can go on my, you can go through the email. You can uh, text me if you want. I don't really care. Any, any way to just somehow get in, into contact with me. Um, I'm going to ask you some very, very basic questions on, you know, the, what condition your property's in and what financial situation you need to get out of. Now, um, the second step, which would be, I have to set up an appointment with you to go to your property. And, and that's just going to be so I can physically go to the property and fill out my estimate sheet of like what we need to fix on your property. And then I'm going to take five pictures inside the property and five on the outside. Now, the reason I'm taking the pictures and I'm getting the estimate of like what, you know, if you have broken windows, mold, roof damage, I'm going to give that to the investor. And this way I can show him the property without him coming to your property. I can show him how much money it's probably going to cost um, in total to like fix it. And what's, what that does is um, it, it makes it so like you don't have like a hundred of different types of people at your house, right? You don't have all this traffic at your house. And then from there, once I get an investor on the deal, what we're going to do is um, I'm going to run comps because then we have to negotiate on the price and the terms. So I'm going to have to run comps in your, uh, your neighborhood. They call it running comps. And what, what it is, is I'm going to take three houses that were sold on the market um, as, as re most recent as I possibly can get it and as close to your property as possible. And that's how we get the average price. We're going to run the average price off of three properties that have sold in, in, on the market in your, in your neighborhood. And all I'm going to do is deduct the costs from that um, average price. And that's the price we're going to negotiate on. So when we go into the negotiating stage, if you need to stay in your house for like three weeks to go and like, you feel like, all right, I need three weeks in order to get my stuff together and then go and move to a property, you know, I'll, I'll work with you. Whatever you need, you let me know. Um, that's why it's called where the deal's already done because I'm setting up the deal and I'm making it work for you, the seller. And I'm trying to work with the investors so that we both, you know, all parties come together and they work together as one, you know, cause the whole idea is not just to make money on this on, uh, on my side and the investor side, it's to help people. So it all comes back to helping people with this business. Um, and, and that's what I created done deal investments is to help as many people as I possibly can. So that's the, that's the idea of the, the whole entire done deal investments is to take the investor with the seller and put them together on a, on a deal and help that seller out, that distressed seller. Now this works with anyone that's going through pre-foreclosures um, where the bank's about to seize the property because you're behind on the mortgage payments. Uh, this could be for you're behind on back taxes and the government's threatening to take your pro you know, seize the property. 
This could work with um, you inherited a house and you just want to get rid of it as fast as you possibly can. And, and most of the time when you inherit a house, it's normally from an elder person and they don't really, some, some of them don't really take care of the properties, a lot of stuff. Um, and, and we buy it as is. Like, so you don't even have to clean it. You don't have to hire a cleaning crew. You don't have to move things if you don't want to. Whatever you don't want, you just leave in the house and, and, and we'll take care of all that. Um, the other thing it works with is if uh, you have a job transfer, you got to leave within the next week. If um, you don't want to deal with the realtor, sometimes like sometimes the realtors aren't that great and then they charge you that heavy commission fee at the end. So you end up losing money on the deal. Um, and that's and that's the other cool thing with Dundee Investments is we don't charge you a commission fee. We just give you the we give you the cash, and then the investor pays Dundee Investments for a finder's fee as like commission. So that's the cool thing is um, sometimes uh, like a seller, like I, I could see someone as a seller being like, oh man, I gotta pay I gotta pay him money for setting up this deal because he's got to get paid. And uh, the cool thing is the investor will pay me. Like you don't have to worry about paying me. So that's that's the coolest part about this whole thing. Now, um, real quick, uh, how everyone wins, I'm going to explain real quick, and then I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about like the future of Dundee Investments because like, I want to hype people up. I want to hype my, I'm going to try to help uh, hype myself up a little bit. But what, um, how everyone wins is the seller obviously gets out of the financial situation and then can go on to finding something else they can afford without um, killing their credit or financially crushing them where they're like blowing all this cash to try to like save it and they probably and they probably can't save it and another thing too is their credit like credit's such a big big important thing like if you're tied into a mortgage um you know it's gonna affect your credit because if you lose the house go bent and, and uh you know you might end up going bankrupt over trying to fix this or you, you might lose the credit um so the investor is obviously gonna win because he's gonna go and make a profit on it right he's gonna flip it and he's going to put it on the, the MLS system and he's going to make a, a, a profit off it. Uh, done deal investments is obviously going to win because um, we're going to get um, a commission fee off of the investor and we're going to continue to be able to help people and use that for marketing, use it for whatever and, uh, and, and build uh, done deal investments up enough where I can go and help a lot more people than what I'm doing right now. So the other thing too, real quick is the future of done deal investments. Now what I want to do is um, make it where, because right now I can get you out of the financial situation, right? But I, I want to get it to a point where everything's already in place where um, the seller can just go and get all the stuff they need. Because what's going to happen is once you get out of the financial situation, you got to go and find a home. You got to get it inspected. You got to go get financing for the home. So my my goal or a dream for Dundee Investments is to make it so you just everything's there. So we'll have financing for you. We'll have realtors to go find you the next property. We'll have um, home inspections to go and inspect that home to make sure you know you're 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 walking into a proper asset rather than you walk in and then a month later you're in thousands of dollars of uh, repairs. Um, there's the other thing I was thinking about, but yeah, there's like the three main things I want to add on which is uh, realtors, home inspection, and um, what was the last one I said? Home inspections, realtors, and financing. Financing is a big one. And what I was thinking about with like financing is, uh, I don't know if anyone who joins this has ever gone to uh, an insurance, a car insurance broker. They, um, 
what they do is they just run your information through a system and it goes through all the different car insurance that you can go and get or just home insurance or whatever, any insurance in general. And what they'll do is they'll go for the best rate that's not going to kill you basically with like the lowest rate they can possibly find in the system. That's what I was thinking about doing with like mortgages. Like uh, when you're when you're trying to find financing for a mortgage for another home or um, you're trying to find some type of uh, financing for another property. That's what I was thinking about doing. But um, obviously it's going to take time. I got to get more in depth with that that area and I got to get other things going before I could probably do financing. But um, uh, there's it's just things that I'm going to add on where it's going to help that seller. Once we get them out of that financial situation, they don't have to go to five or six other places to go and find these resources. And then it takes a lot of time to go and find. And, and you want someone that you can trust too, which is the hard thing, especially with like financing and things where you're going to make commission off of. It's it's kind of hard to find. Um, it's kind of hard to find someone to trust when it comes to like financing and, and money and stuff. So I, I want to have everything in one place. So that way they just basically go to the next thing. Um, so that that's that's kind of like the cool thing. I tell everyone that they're like, wow, that's pretty interesting. Um, but uh, so that's that's the goal or the vision uh, for Done Deal Investments LLC. So, anyways, uh, I'm gonna probably head out here. That was this has been episode 65 of Goals and Updates. I appreciate anyone that's been listening. I'm gonna go call for Breezy right now. Um, and uh, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, this is Tyler Dunn with uh, Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. Peace.